music by Gustav Holst and a performance by the Seattle Symphony under the direction of Jonathan Hayward. Jonathan Hayward is young, gifted, and black. And next season, he will become the new music director of the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. A 30-year-old from Charleston, South Carolina, he is the first person of African descent to lead the BSO and only the second black conductor to lead an American top-tier orchestra. I'm Tom Hall. Welcome to Midday. His historic tenure at the BSO begins in the fall, and tonight Jonathan Hayward will be at the Meyerhoff here in Baltimore to talk about his plans for his debut season. I'll be along for the ride on that as well, and he joins me now in Studio A. Welcome to Baltimore. Welcome to the show. Thank Thank you so much, Tom. A real pleasure to be here. It's really great to meet you. There is a wonderful buzz about your coming to Baltimore as the new music director. Um, I mentioned, you know, that you're an African-American conductor. Mm. Um, almost everybody does in their first breath, you know, about you. And I'm thinking about, you know, we now have a, our first African-American governor here, yep. Wes Moore. Yep. And he said during the campaign, he said, I'm not here to make history. I'm here to make a difference. Yes. Um, so he kind of, kind of, sort of wanted to play down the fact of, of the historic significance of his tenure. Mm. Um, how do you feel about it? It's funny you mentioned Westmore. I literally just came from meeting him for the first time, which mm -hmm. has been a great pleasure and honor to finally meet him. You know, I think, I think we share the same sentiment um, that you know what we're really looking forward to is making a change is making making what we do relevant to everyone, um, empowering everyone along the way. And uh, just to have that option to be a leader and to be able to do that is something that I'm just so excited and thrilled to be a part of in Baltimore. Relevance is a thing that we all talk about. Mm -hmm. um, just before we went in the air, you and I were talking about the fact that I led the Baltimore Choral Arts Society for mm -hmm. a long time, 35 years, and we talked about constantly uh, our staff, our orchestra, our chorus, the board, about how to be relevant mm. to the to our city and to our area. Um, and I struggled with that. I, I don't know. I, I, I had a tough time figuring out what classical music and relevance was. Mm. Um, what does it mean to you for, for the BSO to be relevant to Baltimore and the state of Maryland and the region? What does that mean? You know, it starts out with asking a lot of questions you know, to the people of Baltimore, to the people of Maryland. And what has been extraordinary, particularly this weekend, as I lead up to the announcement um, later on in the evening, is asking the really important arts organizations and the community and members, asking them, what can we do for you? Because ultimately, we as an arts organization are here to support our community. The Meyerhoff Strathmore should be act as community centers, essentially. So what better way to find out what that relevance is going to be through simply word of mouth and asking the people who we really want to support? Why do you think the BSO hired you? I mean, I know maybe, and we'll talk about why you wanted to be hired by mm. the BSO, but but, I mean, there's terrific buzz even among the players in the orchestra. And you and I, as conductors, <laughs> both know that that's kind of a rarity. I mean, <laughs> you know, players often, you know, make great sport of chewing up conductors. I mean, it just happens, right? But but the players that I've talked to, after mm. you did the couple of concerts last mm. season, you did one was a benefit for Ukraine. Yeah. You did another um, as a part of the, the regular series. 
they said, boy, this guy's terrific. We mm -hmm. have great rapport. We have great chemistry. I mm -hmm. mean, their reaction was very positive, as was the reaction of the audience. But mm -hmm. why? So, so obviously that was part of it. But, yeah. but you know, if you put yourself in the place of Mark Hansen, the president and CEO, and the board of directors. Why do you think they want you to be the music director? I think it's a it's a good question. I never really thought about it in that you know on the on the, on the flip side. But I I think what became really apparent in the hiring process and was that our intentions aligned. You know, my intention as an as a musician, as an artist, as a leader. Um, really aligned with what they're already doing at the BSO and what they want to do at the BSO. Um, and as much as it is a rarity for conductor and orchestra to, you know, have that wonderful connection, it is also a rarity for an organization and a music director to also have that rarity. So when we're talking about the BSO, we're talking about the whole, what, what that encompasses. And I think almost Everything. Why? Well, I'd, I'd probably say actually everything, as far as this this set of values and intention behind those values, really fit with how I see myself as an artist and a conductor in today's world. Um, so I'd like to think that that's the answer. Um, that we just had this very simple alignment, and when it works, you kind of don't want to ask any questions. You kind of just want to say, "Well, let's get our hands dirty and let's do this." You know, let's let's go for it. Jonathan Hayward is the new music director of the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. If you want to join me in welcoming Jonathan Hayward to Baltimore, 410-662-8780. Our email is midday at wipr.org. You can tweet us at midday wipr. So on Saturday night, a couple nights ago, mm. um, I was up at Goucher College, and a terrific musician, jazz musician, Branford Marsalis, played with his quartet, and he's, you know, as you know, Amazing. he's terrific. Yeah. And um, I had the great pleasure of uh, chatting with him in front of the audience after the show. And I asked him what, to his mind, makes a good musician. Because mm. mm. I, you know, I have some thoughts about that, but I never really articulated it for myself. You know, I know the people I've loved working with and the people I've not loved working <laughs> with. Um, but I wonder, for you, what makes a good musician? What what do you aspire to be hmm. artistically? Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and then we'll expand that, you know, what makes a good orchestra? Yeah. I mean, I think what makes a good musician is understanding to the very core and essence of what we do that we have an obligation and we have the power to really change and move lives you know this this is this is really my core belief as a musician uh, understanding that power and understanding that responsibility is actually some of the traits that i really respect about you know some of my f favorite conductors and musicians um and with that power and responsibility com becomes innovation, um, becomes a sense of community and being able to connect with your community, whether that be, um, you know, through the sound waves or in person. And um, I think some of the most, some of the, my, you know, we're talking non even non-classical Nina Simone, someone who understood that she needed to speak to a certain gr group of people, you know, really connect to a certain group of people. Bob Marley, um, you know, these these people really were movers and shakers on top of being excellent at their craft. So it's it, you can you can't just be good. You have to have the intention about 
what it, it means to be good. Do you know what I mean? The responsibility behind that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Talent is never just enough. No. It's a, it's a prerequisite. Absolutely. But it's yeah. not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And as a person of color, you'll be able to be a, you know, a visible um, uh, iteration of what's possible mm. for other young kids. When you were a young kid, um, what what got you into this? How how did you how did you all of a sudden connect with with art music? I mean, for me, it really stems down to my time at the Charleston County School of the Arts. You know, what was such an amazing part of that journey and that experience was that you auditioned, and it didn't matter your socioeconomic background, it didn't matter your creed, it didn't matter your religion, it didn't matter your race. You had to pass the test of being, doing the audition, which I barely passed. I was waitlisted, and then I got in. Um, and then and then it was just this melting pot of people, you know? And, and to be able to have that experience really kind of enhanced that, all that for me. It's interesting. Um, I mentioned you're the second African-American to lead a top-tier orchestra. I mean, I think of Jimmy DePriest as yeah, the other of one. course. James DePriest, who was the... Uh, 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 music director of the Oregon Symphony yes. forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the first African American in this city, which is a majority African American city, it's interesting. Um, with Jonathan Rush, who is mm -hmm. also an uh, African American mm -hmm. uh, on the conducting staff of the BSO, um, and over at Peabody, um, Joseph Young, who yeah. is, uh, has a prior uh, connection with the, the BSO and is yeah. now leading the orchestral program there. Yeah. When I first moved here in 1982, Bill Curry mm. was uh, an associate conductor. He's now the conductor of the Durham Symphony, another yeah. African-American. So there's, there's, there's a concentration mm. of uh, black folks on the podium mm. here in this city, which is, is, is interesting. Not a concentration, but a, yeah. there's a history of it. Yeah. Um, why do you think there are so few around the country? Well, I think everything starts with education, right? You know, um, this is something I'm stressing uh, during my tenure that if we want to see the development, the true authentic development of diversity in our field, it starts from the very beginning of education. And that's my story, you know, um, being able to pick up an instrument, have that access, to have a free instrument and a public music school system um, is the only reason why I'm talking to you today. Let's not, let's not forget that. It is the only reason why. So having that accessibility um, from the very beginning, um, we need to really concentrate on that in order to, to, to make it happen. Um, so, and this is something that I, it is, like I said, it's a huge part of my tenure. Really thinking about that connection. Of course, you know, uh, Marin Alsop, your predecessor, uh, helped establish Orchids program. Mm. That's been a huge, uh, huge success, yeah. and it's expanded exponentially. It's based on a Venezuelan model, mm. uh, the Sistema model of music education. Mm. Um, your thoughts about Orchids and 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 how where that can go next? Well, if you ask me, one of the other reasons why I decided to take the job, it has to be certainly BSO Orchids um, for me. As I stated earlier, the idea of education is absolutely at the forefront of my mind um, because of my my story. Um, and before I signed on the dotted line, um, I was talking to Nick Skinner, our fantastic director, 
um, thinking about what does the next 15 years look like? What is, what is the evolution of this fantastic program? How do we grow it? How do we deepen you know, the accessibility, um, deepen the knowledge, deepen the experience? Um, and uh, the future is certainly bright with what Marin has really successfully set up. What do you say to those folks? Because there are the naysayer or two about orchids. And their argument, which I don't personally buy, but their argument is that the mission of a symphony orchestra is to play symphony orchestra concerts. It's not to be a music school. And we have music schools. We have Peabody. We have Towson University. We have the University of Maryland. Um, that an orchids kind of program that mm. is based on pedagogy and based on, you know, music education should be in the purview of music education institutions, not performing institutions. Um, to those naysayers, with absolute respect, I would say, wake up. Um, if we want to actually evolve this art form and connect truly. Um, which I think we ought to because it is a beautiful art form for all, um, then we have to start with education. It is, our, it is part of our responsibility. Yes, we are performance, and yes, that is a part of our remit, and performing at a high ex, you know, excellence is absolutely important, imperative to what we do. But if we do not continue this evolution of bringing up the next generation, I'd like to have this chat you know, in another another 120 years so we keep keep the flow going of this fantastic art form i've talked to my boss about that <laughs> so far my contract doesn't extend 120 so we'll see what we can do my guest is jonathan hayward he's the new music director of the baltimore symphony orchestra we'll have more with jonathan on the other side of a quick break you are welcome to join me in our conversation 410-662-8780 our email midday at wipr.org you can tweet us at midday, WYPR. And as we go to break, here's some music of Ravel. Jonathan Hayward conducts the Seattle Symphony in this live performance. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us. This is your public radio, 88.1 WYPR, where you're tuned to Midday. I'm Al Waller. I'm Catherine Collinson. And I'm Mihaela Vince. In upcoming episodes of Clear Path, Your Roadmap for Life, we'll discuss ways to catch up on retirement savings and the importance of self-care. Tune in to WYPR's website and mobile app, all major podcast platforms, and transamericainstitute.org. And welcome back. It's Midday. I'm Tom Hall. Coming up tomorrow, a status report on Baltimore's efforts to curb violence in our city with Shante Jackson. She's the director of the Mayor's Office of Neighborhood Safety and Engagement. The year-to-date numbers of homicides and non-fatal shootings are down. We'll talk with Director Jackson about plans to extend the group violence reduction strategy 
which has been successful in a pilot program in the city's western district. So Director Jackson joins me tomorrow. If you've just joined us today, my guest is another director, the new music director of the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. Jonathan Hayward has guest conducted orchestras in America and abroad, and he has served as the chief conductor of the Nordwestdeutsche Philharmonie in Germany. Here's a sample of some of his work with that ensemble. This is music of Franz Josef Haydn. takes the reins of the BSO officially when their new season begins next fall, and he joins me today in Studio A. You can join us as well, 410-662-8780, or email midday at wypr.org. If you want to tweet, it's at midday wypr. So, Jonathan, there's a big difference between being a music director and being a guest conductor. <laughs> you know, when we guest conduct, we show up for the week, you know, we, we, we're done, you know, slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. You know, and <laughs> being a music director, you've got to think about, you know, the whole organization and planning a season. You've got to plan, you know, a whole nine, ten months worth of shows. So how do you approach that particular uh, aspect of, uh, music directing. Mm. For me, that sort of sense of leadership isn't much different than what I do on the podium, which is really an, embedded in the idea of collaboration. Everything that I think about off the podium is equally as collaborative than what I am doing on the podium. So that goes from programming to understand what the musicians have played, what they're interested in playing, and get a bit of feedback there. Also with the communities interested in listening to and being a part of. So there, there is definitely a very big collaborative approach, which is why I've had so many meetings, you know, constantly with the musicians, constantly with our organization, but also about with out in the community. So it's just an extension of what I'm already doing, really. And uh, you have an initiative that we're going to talk about tonight at the Meyerhoff. And again, uh, we're going to be talking about the, the new season uh, in great detail this evening. It starts at 730 um, called the Hall for All. Mm. Um, the Meyerhoff Symphony Hall, beautiful concert hall, uh, opened the year that I came to Baltimore in 1982. Yeah. I was at the first concert that oh, they gave amazing. in there. It was called the Hard Hat Concert, right. where they assembled, because they, they needed to test the acoustics with a full house. Ah. So all the people who worked on the hall, the yeah. construction people, right. and a bunch of hangers-on like me, uh, showed up and we heard you know this incredibly varied program uh, mm. because they tried different of things you know to, to wow. test out the acoustics so yeah, yeah. Um, it's a great room and I've had the great you know uh, pleasure of performing in there many times yeah. myself but but a hall for all mm. um, being welcoming opening yeah. opening up the the Meyerhoff to the community what does that mean to you well I feel that our responsibility again is to be able to be representative of what our community needs from us and what our community is, you know, um, and I see I see the Myhoff as one big community center. Yes, it is. It is our it is our performance space, which is absolutely excellent. But it equally also is is every this is this hall is this space is for everyone. 
So what we're really exploring is about um, not only what happens inside the concert hall, but also in before and after the concert, what happens in the foyers, um, being able to think about partnerships um, and, and maybe bring people in for a pre-concert performance before they are about to see um, a piece that could be related to this pre-concert experience. So really opening the doors as much as we possibly can is is the approach to, to make sure everyone understands that we're very serious and committed about this whole-for-all idea. And, of course, one of the things that uh, is very different about the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra than virtually almost every other major symphony in the country is that there's two halls. Yes. Uh, we have here in the Meyerhof and then in Strathmore uh, in Bethesda. So um, what what are the opportunities that, you know, playing in both markets, as they say, uh, <laughs> mean for you? Well, it's extraordinary, and and it's it completely is our unique selling point. Um, the fact that we are so fortunate to have these very, very good concert halls um, means that we are also responsible uh, to have a connection in both markets, if you will. Um, so, you know, we onset that um, from the very beginning uh, with having our first time, first ever gala also at Strathmore. Um, that was really important to me to be able to represent um, the fact that, like you said, we're in a unique position, that we have two wonderful concert halls. And we need to make sure that we put our money where I'm out there. So I'm looking for that. So you're going to do the gala thing twice? Precisely. Yeah. Yes. And Winton is playing, right? Winton Marsalis is um, Winton's piece will be on the program. Mm-hmm. But what's an exciting collaboration on, on the gala is we're working with the Dance Theatre of Harlem um, for the complete new commission, um, which I'm just so thrilled about um, working based on music by Adolphus Hailstock. Yeah, a wonderful, uh, perhaps the dean of black composers uh, in the United States, certainly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah, a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Jonathan Hayward is the new music director of the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. We're at 410-662-8780. If you want to jump in, our email is midday at wipr.org and our Twitter handle at midday. WIPR. Let's go to the phones. We have Brad on the line in Baltimore. Brad, welcome to Midday with Jonathan Hayward. Yes, uh, <clears throat> nice to hear your uh, voice, uh, Jonathan. Um, I was a, a longtime member of the uh, Baltimore Symphony Chorus, uh, which was disbanded in 2002. And I'm curious to uh, know what your view is on uh, choral music, on the uh, repertoire, and perhaps even restoring the uh, Symphony Chorus. Oh, thank you. That's a really, really great question. Well, um, I'm a huge fan of choral orchestral repertoire, actually, um, so much so that um, I'm so thrilled uh, that on next next year's season's program, we have Comina Barana, which is going to be an excellent, um, excellent piece to be able to, to perform. To be able to continue this connection um, is something that we're certainly exploring on the choral side and, and creating partnerships with that Um in addition to uh, the Comina Burana, we're also looking at a potential operatic um, repertoire for the future, which, of course, we'll certainly need a choir. So stay tuned. You have a long history of uh, conducting opera. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's my start, really. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. You really yeah. you start as an opera conductor. Your wife yeah. is an opera singer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell us about your connection to opera. How did that start? Well, the first job that I had was the assistant conductor of the opera department in Boston Conservatory, still was whilst I was studying cello. And um, 
I mean, they, you can learn so much within the opera world, can't you? You know, how, how to breathe. You know, I was just as, as a cellist coming in from the orchestral side. So I learned so much about the sense of collaboration and what that really needs, what, what singers really need, rather. Um, and that was an amazing experience. So to kind of come back a bit more to it, I'm, I'm really actually, I'm really looking forward to it, particularly with this orchestra, who I think is, could be an extraordinary operatic orchestra actually we have a couple of small opera companies here the major opera company uh where i worked for 10 years as the chorus master actually um you know went out of business a while ago mm. it's tough to sustain opera companies i mean yeah. ours isn't the only one in the around the country that's had some problems um so there's a void there yes uh, so maybe that is a void that the bso can help fill you know well stay tuned i think that there's an exciting sort of long project that we're certainly looking at um put for for the people of Baltimore as you said there's a void and that's something that I picked up on very very quickly um, as I started thinking about programming ideas it's funny how people do get into these niches and I think perhaps younger generations um, are getting away from that which is terrific and I credit Steve Jobs and the yeah. iPod <laughs> yeah, yeah. no absolutely. <laughs> because you know yeah. when, when people started throwing stuff on their iPods yeah. and now it's on their phones um, they threw a whole variety of things, yeah. you know, just pop music, classical music, hmm. uh, everything from hip hop to country could be on the same iPod. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, uh, this this ever present quest for younger hmm. audiences hmm. Um, hmm. is something that you know obviously is going to be top of mind for you. What yeah. do you think the key is there? I mean, the New York Times reported when they wrote about your appointment that you know in the last season, uh, and I don't know what things are looking like this season, but last season, uh, which is as COVID was ending, hmm. you know, uh, audiences at, at the Meyerhoff uh, and at Strathmore even were maybe some 40%, 50% of the hall. Hmm. I mean, there's a lot of seats left. Yeah. Uh, uh, at symphony concerts, so yeah. how do you how do you deal with that? Well, it's a it's a, a multi-directional um, approaches, I think. But one thing that I am certainly excited about um, moving forward is the um, campus concert initiatives that we're we're thinking um, thinking about very strongly, and we'll have more on that hopefully in a few weeks. As far as the strong um, connections that we'll so be to making. play colleges, exactly, mm -hmm. yeah, and really, really connecting going to them you know um it's something that of course we have these great concert halls but we should also remember that we need in order to connect we should be playing in different spaces spaces that um that also can be relatable and easy accessible to a different audience um so we're certainly looking forward to that initiative we talked about what makes a good musician um what makes a good audience member <laughs> What's the responsibility, if there is one, or the obligation, or the opportunity, maybe, for mm. that person who comes and she sits there in the hall, mm. and the lights go down, and you walk on the stage, and then what? I think that's a beautiful way of putting it, the, op the opportunity. And I think the opportunity is to just be as open and as receptive as possible to, be, to what you're about to experience. Um, you know, I think there's a sort of, I never like to use the word religious side to it, but there's a sort of beautiful community feel one when everyone is just there receiving the music, you know, as I like to say. Um, I think it can be quite moving. So if there's any opportunity or, or obligation, I think it's just coming to the whole, knowing that we really care about the intention of our programming and what you're about to hear is really thought about and really a part of a musical journey that we're so thrilled for people to be a part of. 
Um, so that sort of openness is always something that I, I appreciate from audience. Yeah, members. and that journey is within each individual piece. Yes. But it's also over the course of the evening, you Absolutely. know, that 90 minutes or two hours worth of, of stuff. Yeah. The journey can be difficult for some people. People are mm. intimidated by mm. classical music. I mean, I remember years ago talking to a wonderful pianist and scholar named Charles Rosen, who said, you know, you're not born loving Debussy. <laughs> I would argue with that. And so <laughs> yeah, that, that could be, you know, I mean, I think one can ha have contention with that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, of but yeah, yeah, yeah. does classical music take, you know, so-called classical music, does it take does it take something more than when somebody listens to R&B or hip-hop or I rock just, and roll? I sort of refused for that to be a, an answer. I mean, again, if I, if I can be a young boy from Charleston, South Carolina and be enamored by this music, I really don't see how that's not possible for a lot of people, um, for anyone. And I think it's all about the perception and the, and the presentation of how, what you're trying to show. If, if people don't feel intimidated and, you know, you break that wall and you have a conversation. I know you, I'm sure you've had, you know, conversations on the podium and that idea of breaking that wall and saying, what you're about to hear is about this, you know, or the journey that we're about to take you on and why we've decided to put this piece with this piece is because you'll, you'll hear this in, in, when you talk to people and you and you re you make them realize that they can they can really relate to it when they're listening i think it becomes i don't know i mean maybe i'm a bit biased but i think anyone can love it anyone can love the experience of classical music in that sense well you are a bit biased and that's fine because <laughs> <laughs> it's your job exactly 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 well w just really quickly because i know we have to let you go um uh, and i'm going to see you tonight but the the strengths of the Baltimore Symphony. You you know you've conducted a bunch mm -hmm. around the country and around the world. Um, what do you what do you think this particular band brings? Um, that that's uh, you, you know something you really want to uh, exploit. I want everyone to know that this is one of the most flexible and open orchestras I've ever conducted in my life. They have a sense and a willingness to really dig deep into the meaning the music and the true meaning of what we're trying to achieve that work ethic that grit that determination does not happen with every orchestra and it is a very special and unique quality that this orchestra has well the folks in the band with whom i have spoken are very excited to have you here uh, and it's been great meeting you and yeah. i'll see you later tonight yeah see you tonight thanks so much tom jonathan hayward and i will continue our conversation this evening at the meyerhoff symphony hall here in baltimore we'll talk more about his plans for his inaugural season as the bso's music director in an event that will include some performances by members of the orchestra the doors open at seven and we will begin the program at seven 30. Coming up next, an appreciation of President Jimmy Carter. James Zogby, the founder of the Arab American Institute, joins me after a quick break. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us. This is your public radio, 88.1 WYPR.